Hi, I'm Chris Meyer, and I wanted to tell you about the book that I wrote, Life in 20 Lessons, and why or how it came to be. The book for me was um, based on my life in the funeral home. Uh, I had been working there for about, well, I would say about six or seven years when it came to me that I'm hearing a lot of the same stories. And I don't mean that the stories of death um, were all the same, um, but it was more about the lessons that I was learning from each of the families as they came in. And invariably, you know, um, I tried to have a super relaxed uh, arrangement meeting and they would talk to me about my family and, you know, I would tell them about my young sons and they would, you know, always say, always to a T, say, hey, you know, stay with them while they're young, be with them while they're young, go to everything because it happens all so fast. And uh, these lessons, again, I, I said, kept repeating themselves. So I was taking them to heart. I was going home. Um, we had our first son already, and the second one was on the way. And I sort of made that decision in my mind that I am going to, I had already known I wanted to be a dad and an involved dad, but these were just further reinforcing that do everything. So I wanted to be the coach, and I went to every play and every open house at school. And it was so impactful for me and so good for me because the day of dealing with death on a daily basis was very, very trying. And I, I said in the book, you could either start drinking at you know 9.30 in the morning or you could try to draw that line and take heed of the stories that you were hearing from the surviving families. And, and I chose the latter and uh, became a, you know, a coach of every single one of my children's sports. And again, that theme will carry through to my writing. And it, it certainly did. And that will be uh, in our next session. We'll talk about uh, another book that I wrote. Um, but this book was really important. And I, I tell this great story of, of a woman who walked into my funeral home, um, you know, I saw her come in with her husband and they were looking around like most families do. And she started to come into focus as she walked down the hall toward me. And I said, may I help you? You know, can I, are we, are we here to make arrangements today? And she said, yes. Um, and I said, you know, for mom, dad, grandparents. And she said, no, for me. And I had never had this experience before. I looked this woman in the eye and she had sort of the slanted down face of a, a stroke victim. And I came to find out that she had a brain tumor and was given only months to live. And she sat down and we talked and, and she said, uh, you know, she asked all the questions that people normally ask and she took her time and she really never took her eyes off my eyes and I conversely never took my eyes off of hers all the while her husband was you know sitting in his chair looking straight at the ground I mean she said I'm here because I know he can't do this and I want to do this so we talked for a couple minutes and after that there was this awkward silence of her staring at me and and she looked me in the eye and she said I've been to a lot of places and she said I would like you to take care of me and I said I would be honored and that became a, an arrangement uh, like no other for me. 
I had never had that before. And uh, it was odd to think that this woman would not be on this earth a couple months from now. And I do remember getting the call, which was, um, I did not recognize the name. And the call said they requested Chris. And that happens sometimes with friends. And I didn't realize it until I, I drove up and I saw her husband at the door. And uh, I give him a big hug. And he said, you remember me? I said, I sure do. And, uh, and he said, she's inside. And I went inside. And it was, I, I often describe it as one of the most beautiful scenes I had ever seen. Because there was just a ton of love in that in that household, um, Afghans, pictures of her children, you know, food plates, stuffed animals, the, the the true markings of a family living there. And her bed was in the middle of the living room, and you could tell that uh, she had told her husband that I want to die at home, and they were there. Her children were there, surrounding her until that last breath. And that, uh, that again reinforced what I had already known. The family is the most important thing. And being with her, um, preparing her arrangements and then going to pick her up really just had a profound impact on my life. And I was very, very honored to do that. Um, so I have stories like this that have impacted my life and that have told me, hey, this is the way we need to live. And so I compiled them in a book and I, I, I tied in some stories that aren't necessarily funeral related, but also had a, a profound impact on my life. And, and one was when I was in Hollywood, oddly enough, I was working at Paramount Classics and one of the executives said, hey, I have a job I think you'd be perfect for. And I said, what? And he said, executive assistant for Mel Gibson. And, you know, of course, I'm like over the moon. I was like, wow, this person thinks a lot of me. And so I I took the interview and I remember weeks before he was uh, making a film called Once Were Warriors. It was a, a Vietnam film. And I took that script and I dissected it. And it was written by Academy Award winner Randall Wallace, who wrote Braveheart. And I don't know why I got in my mind that I think I should dissect this script, but I did. And I went into the interview and Mel came out and he was smaller stature than I, I thought of. And um, I proceeded to tell him what was wrong with the script, uh, the script that Academy Award winner Randall Wallace wrote. And to his credit, he stood there and listened to me and, um, you know, thanked me at the end of it. Of course, he did say to me, um, right before the end, he said, have you ever been in a fight? And I said, well, oddly enough, I had. I, I got beat up by a, a bunch of people when I was out at college, wising off in a drunken uh, night of reverie. And he said, ah, I can see that. And so I left and uh, went to work the next day and got called into the executive's office. And she said to me, what the hell happened? And I said, what are you talking about? She's like, I just got a call from Mel's producing partner and they said, you ripped apart the script. And I said, well, I analyzed it. That's what I do for a living. And I thought that that would be a really good idea. And she said, you fucking idiot. And uh, I kind of knew where she was coming from right there. She kind of leaned into me a little more and then her executive assistant opened the door and smiled and I, I knew what that meant. And, uh, you know, I think the lesson there was I didn't get the job and I, uh, I knew kind of where I stood and what the pecking order in Hollywood was. 
So uh, I have Mel Gibson to thank, and I think telling that story for me is is really important because my book is a lot about uh, you know how all our failures truly make us who we are or who we will become. And I encourage the failures because they are building blocks for the future. And certainly my experience with Mel uh, that very day was one of my greatest failures. And I, I needed to share that because uh, there are people who, who cower to failure. And uh, that, was, that was a pretty epic failure. So I wanted to share that with the audience. Um, there were so many other stories, and I, and I hope everyone has the time to read it. There were certainly the times where you would walk in a home and it would be lined with family members and they would look at you like, oh, here comes the guy in the suit that's going to take grandma from here. And you know, not being always seen as the, as the most welcome guy in the house. But the funeral home was not always uh, a downer. And there were instances in which we would memorialize people and we would celebrate their lives. And in one particular case, there was a, a woman who wanted me to dress up her husband as a clown because he truly was a clown in real life. I believe his name was Mr. Jiggles. And we did. We placed him in the casket in a polka dotted outfit with red clown shoes and his makeup and the red nose. And when people came into the chapel and saw him like that, it was almost to a person burst out laughing and crying. And that was, a, it was one of the greatest funerals that we had ever had. Um, just, it was unbelievably kind. Uh, so many people were kind and it was just a, a very powerful uh, way to memorialize someone. I, I wouldn't ever forget that. And there are many, many stories like that, both happy and sad, uh, some funeral, some not, mostly funeral related. And I hope you have an opportunity to pick up Life in 20 Lessons, what a funeral guy discovered about death from life. Thank you.